So today on the church's calendar, it is the seventh Sunday of Easter. But on everyone's mind is the fact that today is Mother's Day. That's right. So uh, I want to share with you a card when I went card shopping for Mother's Day um, earlier in the week. And I know you can't see it out there from where you are, so let me read it for you. At the top of the card, it says, Stuff You Ask Mom. What's for dinner? What time is it? How come? Why not? When is it my turn? Can I have more? Where is it? Will you read this to me? Can I watch TV? Can I play with this? Do I have to go to bed? And at the bottom of the card, it says, Stuff you ask Dad. Where's Mom? <laughs> very true, very true, right? Yeah. So uh, today is a day on the national calendar set aside to give thanks for, to honor, and to remember God's gift of our moms, whether they uh, be among us living still or whether they have gone before us in the faith. My own mom uh, is still living. She'll be 94 in December, and she now makes her home at the Heartland Care Center in my little hometown of Marcus, Iowa. And this was a move she willingly made a few months ago uh, because of some um, health issues in her life. and. I am so happy to report she is thriving there. She loves it. And she enjoys all the different activities going on, but she is especially partial to balloon volleyball. Loves it. Riding the exercise bike, she's probably she's in better shape than I am, I think, and going outside on the patio to sit in the sun. She enjoys reading, working on word puzzles, as well as having family members come and visit. Something I'll do next month, uh, going out there to officiate at Adisa's wedding. My siblings tell me, though, as much as mom enjoys having family members come visit, don't plan to stay too long because mom is busy and she's got things to do. She's got activities lined up. So when she's ready for you to leave, she'll get up and start walking you out to the front door, all the while telling you, oh, it was so nice of you to come visit me. <laughs> so she's getting rid of you. The truth is what she's doing. That's my mom. She is a person of great faith. And one of the things she frequently says to me and to all of us, I'm praying for you for her children, for her grandchildren, for her great-grandchildren, and I know she does. And this is one of the blessings moms are, as they often, and do this especially well, praying with and for family members, frequently and fervently. So in the gospel lesson for today, the Lord Jesus himself prays for his followers, for you and for me. And it is this image of Jesus praying for us that becomes the theme for the message today, praying for you. So may the Lord's rich and abundant blessing rest upon the preaching and upon the hearing and upon the living of his word for Jesus' sake praying for you. I'll pray for you. I'll say prayer for you. Uh, we'll tell this to other people. We'll write it on note cards, put it in an email. 
But we are easily distracted by circumstances in life, right? We get overtaken by events, and despite our best intentions, we may in fact forget to pray for those whom we've said we will pray for. Has that ever happened to anybody out there? So far, nobody's raised their hand at any of the services for true confession time here, so it's happened to me as well. But here's the good news. Jesus does not forget to pray for us. That's what he's doing here in the gospel lesson. Often called Jesus' high priestly prayer. It's the whole of John chapter 17. We are just getting a portion of it in the gospel lesson for today. So I encourage you, go home and sometime today, tomorrow, in the week ahead, read all of John 17. And for yourself, hear how Jesus is praying for you. And you might think, but Jesus lived 2,000 years ago. How is he praying for me today? Don't get that. Well, take out your worship bulletin. Look at the very first verse in the Gospel lesson from John 17, verse 20 where Jesus says, I do not ask for these only, meaning the immediate disciples of Jesus then and there in the time of uh, the New Testament. I do not pray for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Those who will believe in me through their word. And that's us. We are those who stand in a long line of generation after generation who have believed in Jesus, who have trusted in his word as that word of life has come down to us throughout the centuries from mothers and fathers to children, from grandparents, from siblings, from pastors and teachers and church workers, from neighbors and friends, that word of life that points us to the living word, Jesus Christ. And so we've come to know that word of truth, and we are among those for whom Jesus has prayed. And so Jesus' prayer continues then as he prays not once, not twice, but three times in close succession here that his followers may all be one. And so, me be one just as Jesus is one with the Father and with the Holy Spirit, one in being, one in love, one in will and purpose. And is this sacred unity among his followers, this is what Jesus is praying for. That unity among Christ's people in his church is not some structural, organizational outward thing. That's not it at all. The unity of Christ's people, the church, is rooted in the teaching of Jesus 
in the gospel, in the administration of the sacraments which he instituted, holy baptism and the Lord's Supper, apart from human institutions or traditions, what unites us is the confession of who Jesus is as true God and true man and how Jesus comes to us in his word and in the sacraments with the gifts that only Jesus can give forgiveness, life, and salvation. This is what makes all believers in Christ one, apart from external divisions and boundaries. Praying for you. This is what our crucified, risen, and ascended Savior continues to do for us. And this past Thursday, we celebrated the ascension of our Lord. It's an often overlooked and uh, forgotten festival of the church here. My vicarage supervisor uh, used to say there's about as many people who show up for Ascension Day services as there were at the first Ascension. Well, a little bit of truth there, I suppose. But even if it's overlooked, it doesn't mean it's less important. Forty days after Jesus rose from the dead, he ascended to the Father's hand in power and glory from which he will come again to judge the world in righteousness. And Ascension Day, Jesus' ascension remains vitally important because there at the Father's right hand, Jesus is interceding for his people. This is what God's word tells us even now. He is praying for us. Isn't that an amazing thing to consider? That this Jesus, this Son of God, Son of Man, this Jesus who was born into our world of pain and suffering, who lived and died and rose again and is at the Father's right hand, he is interceding with the Father for us amidst all of the turbulence, all of the ups and downs, all of the stuff of this life that can pull us away from Jesus. He is interceding in our behalf. The Savior, who is the root and descendant of David, the bright and morning star, we're told in that second reading from Revelation, he continues to pray for, intercede for us to his Father and our Father. This is what one of those stanzas in that beautiful Easter hymn we just sang, I know that my Redeemer lives. It told us. Stanza three of that opening hymn. Turn back in your worship bulletin to that first hymn that we sang. Look at stanza three. We sang it this morning. It'll be our sending hymn as well. We sang it yesterday at the funeral for one of our own beloved members, John Long. Stanza three. He lives to bless me with his love. He lives to plead for me above. 
He lives my hungry soul to feed. He lives to help in time of need. Jesus is indeed praying for you and for me, for all of his children scattered throughout the world. Jesus is praying that we may be one in him even as we are told that those first disciples were. That first scripture lesson, Acts chapter 1, all of those disciples after Jesus ascended into heaven, gathered together, were told all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. That's powerful. When Christ's people are of one accord and in prayer, there is power. Power from the Lord. Jesus is praying that we may abide in faith unto the end until he comes or until he takes us home. Jesus is praying that whatever our differences may be, race or language, culture, socioeconomic status, gender, age, whatever the differences may be, that we may be one in him who loves us, who gave his life for us that the words of today's psalm, which we read together, that they may be said even of us today. Behold, how good, how pleasant it is when brothers, and we can add sisters, dwell in unity. And so even as the Lord Jesus prays for us, we ourselves pray those words from the final book of Scripture that we heard close out that second lesson. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen.